Hey, Wisconsin high school hockey fans, it's time for this week's edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I'm Mike Hammond along with Bill Scanlon and Bill Sr. and Bill Jr. up there in the Wausau area. And tonight, we have a guest, as we always do. Guy needs no introduction in Janesville. Luke Stewart, the head coach of the Rock County Fury. Luke, how's it going? Doing good. Well, talk a little bit about your team as this season is seasons went on. You're a couple of weeks in and uh, kind of getting a grasp on what kind of team you got this year. Yeah, um, you know we got we got off to a good start this season. Just uh, the makeup that we have, other different girls, um, you know the the chemistry that a lot of these younger players brought in with them. You know, playing for a long time and you know, our, our veterans that we have. Um, it's, I think it's really helped this year. Just, you know, we have 12 skaters and a goalie. So, you know, I think we're one of the smallest teams for girls on the girls side, um, you know, but th they play very well together. They support each other and just having that chemistry, I think makes up big for our low numbers. So we've been able to go out there, you know, and, and play and win some good games, um, already at the beginning of this year. One thing's for sure, having low numbers, you can't get into one of those penalty field games. No, and that's one of the things they've done pretty well um, this year, staying out of the penalty box for the most part. You know, we've had a game or two where we've gotten, you know, quite a few, but, you know, conditioning is a big thing for us. So, you know, that's, that's one thing that they work really hard on. So when we do get into those penalty situations, um, you know, we can fight them off, um, you know, but having a small team makes decisions a lot easier who we're going to play. So, <laughs> yeah, because it's everybody. Very much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless out of necessity. Too sick. Yeah, I think the, the first weekend of games we had a girl or two sick, so we were down down to nine, ten girls. So that was that was a fun couple of games. So, Luke, uh, one of the reasons we brought you on is you got a special game coming up uh, this uh, upcoming this Thursday. Uh, can you give us a little details about how that came about? Uh, yeah, so we're we usually do an event game every year, and um, this year, um, a little later, we decided to do a mental health awareness game. Um, it was really motivated um, by the tragic loss of you know a friend to a lot of girls on the team um, and a future teammate for you know for us. Um, so we're really just kind of hoping to raise funds um, and support. Um, it's our organization in NAMI um, in Rock County. We have a base in Rock County, so we're looking to help raise funds um, for, for them and uh, help support their mission, um, which is you know, just really advocating for the better lives of, you know, of individuals that have you know, mental health illness. Um, so we're looking to get some different things going on for the game Thursday um, versus Arrowhead. Um, we're going to have 50-50 raffle. Uh, we got some T-shirts that we're going to sell. We had some special T-shirts made up um, that we did a pre-order on, and then got some extra ones to sell at the event. Um, we got you know, Chuck a puck. I'm um, going, and then we're going to do a bake sale. Uh, the girls were um, over at Cligs um, baking cookies after school today, getting ready for that. So it was a fun event for them to get together um, to do that there. So it should it should be you know. A, successful event we've got a lot of hands on deck to to help out with everything with it now I, I we talked a little bit before we came on uh 
the potential for some bad weathers there this Thursday. And if that it does come about, I'm sure you'll move this awareness game to a little bit later on the schedule and everything to still have it. But right now we're planning on you as the game of the week with the mental health awareness game. And for some of our fans that don't really know, uh, Hope House actually shared a link earlier this week, um, just going into the weekend with some numbers that come out. And it's kind of odd. We're actually at the end of 2022, but when the state comes out with their numbers on these mental health awareness and through uh, child protective services, they're usually about a year behind. And going, everybody hears about, you know, COVID and the toll that took on mental health for our kids. But when you look at Wisconsin's numbers over the last 10 years, in 2011, 11.5% of high school students had contemplated suicide. In 2017, that was up to 15%. In 2021, that was at 14.8. And that's just the ones that had made a plan and didn't try to follow through. When you look at the ones who actually attempted, that there's an 8.5% in our, of, of our teenagers in 2021. Uh, mental health is something that our society shuns from talking about, but it's something that you know, we need to encourage our children and even our adults to talk to somebody and seek the guidance for it. And, you know, doing a game like this is something that can very help a lot of people. Yeah, I, yep, I think, I mean, you hit, hit the nail right on the head. You know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people are kind of scared to come and talk to somebody about, um, you know, and that's, Hopefully a, a big part of, you know, the main reason why we're doing this is to get the awareness out there. And we're going to have a couple of staff from NAMI that are going to have a table there with um, information and, and booklets and stuff too, to help us really, um, you know, educate people on the different, you know, support systems that are out there, the different, you know, numbers that you can call, the, the support groups, um, you know, that you can reach out to um, if you need to. And that's, you know, like I said, I think the biggest thing that we want to get out of this is, is just the awareness of it and education um, to, to try and help do our part with this. Well, let's talk, you talked a little bit about your team this season. What have you seen in your opponents? And, uh, you know, what's the strength of this year? Is it going to be the goaltending or is it going to be uh, scoring, do you think, on the girls' side? Um, I, I think I've seen from looking at other games, you know, it's, it's been goaltending, I think, a lot. You know, when you see see a lot of the numbers for the goalies that have the higher save percentages, you know, I, th I think looking in our conference, too, um, the, the goalies are kind of taking over there where they're really the kind of the stars of the, of the games with keeping, you know, them low, low numbers. You know, I know I saw one goalie had like 80-something saves and you know, it was only six or seven goals against them, but um, you know, the, the games that we've played, it's, you know, you got to get 20, 30, 40 shots just to try to get a goal or two in there. There, So, you know, I, I think it's going to be the year of the goalie, you know, for a girl side. There we go. Let's try this. You had to replace your goalie from last year. Um, 
baby Cronin, we called her. That uh, that young lady was three, four years starter for you. Um, big skates to fill there, and she was uh, she was one of the better ones in the state. She was fun to watch. Yes. Yeah. Yep. She was a four year starter. Yeah. I mean, she was a goalie that got better every year. It was fun to watch, especially last year. I mean, she took probably averaging 40, 50 shots a game, you know, still had a good save percentage and goals against, you know, but um, yeah, we had Jillian Traver that came in this year um, and took over that, that spot and she's you know, our lone goalie, but it's, it's been a blessing to have her, you know, she's really picked up where, you know, our goaltending left off last year and, and picked it up right away this year. And she's been a huge factor in a lot of our games. Um, you know, she had 41 saves Friday night against Badger Lightning. That really helped us um, to crawl back into that game, too. So, you know, it's last last couple different goaltenders we've had. It's We've been fortunate. We've always had a really good goaltending. you got a couple of girls coming through right now, the Clagora girls, who I know quite well, and also their dad's one of your assistant coaches. These two girls have kind of, I don't want to say under the radar, but you know, Emma's probably going to be making a pretty good name for herself this season and next season. She's a pretty talented little goal scorer. Gee, is feisty. Yeah, you, you said they're feisty, yes. <laughs> She's, <laughs> you know, her sister's kind of more quiet one, but yeah, they're both very talented. And um, yeah, I expect both of them, especially Ava's a freshman coming in. Um, they've already you know, started making names for themselves um, just with the points and, and goals they've been getting, but also just how they've been playing on the ice, you know, just the back checking that they do and how hard they skate, you know, all game long. So it, it's been great to have them. You always know what you're going to get when you get a, get Emma out there for a shift. She goes 100 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, sometimes it gets her in a little bit of trouble in the penalty box. But still, you never have to worry about the effort. The effort's always going to be there. Yep. Yeah, when she's she's done a lot better at staying on the penalty box, though, because she knows we need her on the ice more than we need her on the bench. So that's that's been great. Plus, her dad's standing right there on the bench. He can reel her in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he can just get on her and, you know, probably a little bit more than I need to, or can. Both the, uh, both the Berg boys have been out there to uh, Clegg's restaurant when we had a, there was a fundraiser for my wife, so they're familiar with the place out there, and, you know, Chad's always been very kind enough when it comes to hockey to, uh, you know, lend his restaurant to whatever needs they, they are, and Good to have that people like that in your community. Yeah, it's been great. They've, you know, I know they help out with Milton hockey, boys hockey, and the Bluebirds, and you know they have us there, our team, and you know we have our booster club meetings there all the time. So they've been very inviting and and helping out with whatever we need. Um, so it's been great, great having having that around. Well, if nobody else has any questions, I, I got one one kind of odd question. Um, should the game on Thursday not come about, uh, what's going to be done with all those baked goods? <laughs> well, we can send them to you if you want to give me your address. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we'll probably just M MJ up. has it, yeah. <laughs> there you go. We can do that or we'll just divvy them up and the girls can eat them on a, on a long weekend break or something, um, you know, 
we'll have another team Great. get together, bake some more um, for the make update for it. But yeah, let me know and I'll send, I'll send you a whole bunch of them. Speaking of Coach. long weekend breaks, um, given that Christmas and New Year's are both Sundays this year, there really isn't much of a break um, in the hockey schedule. Uh, anything different as a, as a coach to handle that this year? Um, no, the, the one thing different for this year is we've got a lot of weekends off. Um, I tried scheduling that as much as I can, just give the girls a little more time. And so we're mainly going Monday through Friday. So, you know, we've got practice the 26th, you know, and then we got our holiday tournament 28th at night. So we're going to be practicing the 26th and 27th. And, you know, I, I think they're used to that. Um, having a practice right after that to get ready for that holiday tournament that we have every year right after Christmas. So nothing really different for us. You're at the WIPH holiday classic, right? Yep. Selfless pug. Well, yeah, you, you, you could just say you're at our tournament, right? <laughs> and that's in Fond du Lac this year. I'll, I'll be there covering that. Shameless plug for WIPH. Well, guys, anything else you got for Luke? Thanks for taking your time out of your evening and the girls the girls practice tonight, Luke, for, and to come on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, thank you guys for everything that you do for you know hockey and, and the girls' side especially. Um, you know, I know everyone appreciates everything that you guys do for us. All right, Luke Stewart, head coach of the Rock County Fury, joined us tonight. Thanks a lot, Luke. We'll see yeah. you soon, all right? Games of the week we got to talk about. Badger Lightning at the Metrolinx. Dell was at that one, and Bill Jr. was at Spooner and Anigo. <laughs> Two teams that had the same colors. So, uh, Dell, go ahead and go first. Thanks, MJ. Well, the Badger Lightning traveled down to Madison to take on the Metro Lynx and Lightning had lost a heartbreaker to the Rock County Fury the night night before, four to three, uh, having given up two shorthanded goals in that one. And we're looking for, you know, another nice tight game against the Lynx. But Emma Stebbins had her own mind on that, on how this game should turn out. And she opened up the scoring in the first period with a uh, unassisted goal where she went from her own defensive end down the other end and put the puck in. And then less than a half minute later, uh, Grace Bono assisted on Emma's second goal. And the first period ended with a two nothing lead for the link. The links put three more goals in, in the second period, Emma scored the first two, uh, an unassisted one. And then one with an assist from Stout Elmer. Uh, putting them up for nothing. And then uh, late in the third, in, in the second period, Ella Cook made a nice pass to the low slot that was one-timed in by Annalise Delbro uh, to make it five nothing. And then in the third period, Grace Bonnell scored with an assist from Emma Stebbid to complete the scoring six nothing. And so Emma just had a terrific game and penalties were about even, but th this was a Lynx game from start to finish. 
And with that, I'll pass it over to Junior with Spooner Anago. Yeah, I made the trek over to Anago on Saturday. Anago is where I grew up. Uh, cameraman Brett uh, met me there. Uh, he drove himself since, you know, he lives there. Uh, we met at the rink, uh, took in Spooner and Anago. Spooner, for those who are unaware, um, has not played um, as, a, as a solo team in, in I think it was 12 seasons. Uh, they've been part of the Northwest Iceman Co-op. Uh, but now they are going it on their own again. Um, so that's why we made the trip over to Anago. Uh, and as MJ alluded to, Anago and Spooner do wear the same color. Uh, but Anago wore their grays, so nobody was confused. Um, it was, depending on your, your view of how you like to watch hockey, it was two-thirds of a good hockey game. Uh, the first period and third period were both really good. The second period was a hot mess. Uh, the first period, uh, only scoring from Peyton Mahalik of Anago. Uh, he picked off a Spooner outlet pass, um, weaved around the defenseman who stepped up to, to uh, oppose him, and then stepped inside another one before roofing it and giving Anago a 1-0 lead. Uh, that's where it was after one period. They had a 14-7 shot advantage. Uh, Spooner's goalie, um, Travis Johnson, had a really nice first period, a couple of really big saves. Uh, early in the second period, 6 2 in, Jesse Morales from Spooner tied it up, uh, made it a 1-1 game. It looked like we were going to have a good game. And then um, the best way to describe it is that the simulation broke. Um, Anago scored three goals in a minute and eight seconds uh, after that. And then Spooner and Anago traded the next six goals in that period. Spooner, Anago, Spooner, Anago, Spooner, Anago. Uh, at the end of the second period, after a 1-0 first period, the score was seven to four. Um, and it was, it was wild. I'm, you know, Brett is up top. There's a little um, a standing, very small area outside of the score booth uh, up above where Brett was taking pictures. I was down below at ice level and like the goals kept coming so fast for the second period that I'd be tweeting out a goal and someone would score again. So I'd add it to my tweet because, you know, it's our game of the week. We like to send out the updates and like, I didn't get any pictures of the second period from ice level because I spent the entire period on my phone, uh, just tweeting out goal after goal after goal, uh, things settled down again in the third period, uh, Anago scored first, then Spooner scored again and Anago answered right back just 28 seconds later, uh, making the final score nine to five, um, like I said, apart from that second period, it was actually a really good hockey game. Spooner and Anago were pretty evenly matched. Uh, both of them with fairly small rosters, uh, like uh, like Coach uh, Struer said of the Rock County Fury, they only got, you know, 13 skaters and a goalie or whatever. Anago only has 12 skaters and a goalie. I think Spooner has 13 and three goalies. Um, uh, Anago had two players missing due to illness. So a couple short benches. Uh, third period, while Anago won the period two to one, Spooner actually outshot them 13 to seven. It was a really nice period for them, a settle down period after that crazy second period. Um, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, if you're a fan of defense, it was a real head scratcher making you pull your hair out because um, most of those goals going both ways were the result of um, uh, poor outlet passes or just not cleaning up in front of the net. Um, so it was, it was a tough, you know, if you're a big fan of defense, that was a tough one to watch, but if you like scoring, that game was great. Um, Anago came out with the win, uh, nine to five was the final. 
I'm distracted. Like game burglar me. keeps getting up and checking his TV to see how the Packers are doing. <laughs> Sounds like one of those uh, hockey games from the '80s, the uh, high-scoring games. But uh, yeah, and it didn't look. It didn't look like it was going to be that way. It was one to one, you know, six minutes through the second period, and then all of a sudden, just nine goals over the next ten minutes is just crazy. My goodness. Well, that's Junior's report on the uh, wild one up there between Spooner and Antigo. Let's move on to the uh, Radisson Madison Players of the Week, the boys and girls. Let's uh, start out on the boys' side. The winner from the Radisson Madison Player of the Week on the boys' side is Tate Schmidt of Wanakee. Monday, he had three goals, three assists, and a 10-to-1 win over rival DeForest. On Friday, three goals, two assists, and a 5-2 win over McFarland. And he had one assist in a 3-2 overtime loss to Verona. So, Tate Schmidt, congratulations. You are the Radisson Madison Player of the Week on the boys' side. On the girls' side, talk about the Metrolinx. Emma Stebbins is our winner. She had uh, two goals and a 4-0 win over the Icebergs. And four goals, one assist, and a 6 nothing win over the Badger Lightning. So a fine week for Emma Stebbins as well. As on the girls' side, girl side, she's the Radisson Madison Player of the Week. And the Radisson Madison is the official headquarters for Wisconsin Prep Hockey during the state tournament. So we thank them for covering our Players of the Week. Once again, Tate Schmidt of Wanakee and Emma Stebbins of the Metrolinx are the players of the week. Now it's time for top six, and everybody pulls their chair a little bit closer, want to know where their team falls in that top six. And Bill Jr., who's really good at numbers, did the tabulating and comes out looking like this. Well, Google Sheets does the tabulating. I just tell it what to do. Um, this week, uh, the teams didn't change on any of the three lists. The order of the teams changed. Uh, but teams did not change. Uh, number one in boys division one is Notre Dame Academy, a unanimous number one selection this week. Uh, Chippewa Falls is second. Eau Claire Memorial moves up one spot to third. Hudson drops one spot to fourth. Superior moves up one spot to fifth. And Bayport drops one spot to sixth. Uh, for division two, St. Mary's Springs move up, moves up one spot into the top spot. New Richmond drops to second. Amory is still third. Lakeland and Rhinelander flip-flop. Lakeland is fourth, Rhinelander is fifth, and Oregon is still sixth. And then in the girls, uh, Hayward and Bay Area flip-flop. So Hayward is now number one and Bay Area number two. Uh, Central Wisconsin moves up one spot to number three. Superior moves up two spots to number four. Fox Cities is still fifth, and University School drops three spots to sixth. And looking at the voting this week, a lot of the differences in Division Two and the girls um, simply came down to the selection of coaches that voted. Um, there are a lot of coaches who vote, you know, a couple of times a month, but very few coaches who vote all four weeks in a month. Um, so the selection of coaches that votes, when you see two teams flip flop, 
and there's not like an obvious reason looking at their schedules why it's usually just because of the selection of coaches that voted like one week there'll be more northern coaches that vote and the next week there'll be more southern coaches that vote or eastern coaches and western coaches so when you see bounces around like that that's just be usually because of the selection of coaches now in the case of like st mary's springs in new richmond well they played this week and springs won four to one um you know so that one makes you know a little more sense lakeland and rhinelander uh, I didn't look at Rhinelander's schedule this week, but I don't believe those two played each other or anything like that. So um, Superior and Bayport, I think same thing. So, I mean, that's what you, that's what you see this week on the top sixes. Yeah. I, I just speaking for my, my myself as someone who gets to vote um, when you said, you know, the, the same six teams in each group, because I looked and like nobody in the boys division one, they didn't lose to any, no, nobody lost to somebody outside of the top six in a division two. None of those teams lost to a division two team that was outside of the top six. So it's hard to drop anybody. It's hard to bounce somebody from the top six unless you beat them. Right. Um, yeah. Like there were, there were a couple of upsets on the girls side, but the girls always tends to be a little more topsy turvy. Like the, the fusion beat, um, I think the B University School, which may have helped, you know, drop University School down a little bit, but not enough to get the fusion into the top ten because they had some other. They they've got four losses on the season, so you know they're a little more back and forth there. The but girls yeah. are still getting, um, like we only report the top six on the podcast, but they still have a deeper selection of teams overall that are getting votes here this second week. Like the boys, uh, as you said, nobody in the top six lost to anybody outside of the top six. And the, 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 the votes, for the most part, narrowed in on those same six teams with a couple of outliers here and there. But the girls was still uh, voting like 11 teams deep. Yeah, and the, that one fool last week who uh, you know, didn't vote for Notre Dame at number one apparently must have been convinced when, when you know, they, they beat Hudson you know, on Saturday. Must have that, that fool. Well, the Rhinelanders lost this week. Actually came from an out-of-state team. They played Jeffers, Michigan, and that, that was their loss this week. But I don't think, like you said, I don't think they played Lakeland. Yeah, and see what I'm doing, my voting and in, in, in looking at it, I don't... Um, when they're playing an out-of-state team, unless that team also played somebody else from Wisconsin, I sort of ignore those games. Um, and you see that a lot with um, Superior and some of the other teams on the western side of the state. New Richmond usually travels to Minnesota for a holiday tournament. Like, unless the teams that they play in that holiday tournament have games against Wisconsin, like, I will not penalize New Richmond if they lose any of them. Yeah, like like outside of the Berg household, uh, I don't think anybody else is really going to care much about the Superior versus Rock Ridge uh, game on Tuesday. Except maybe Mongo. He's always been a fan of Rock Ridge. That is a Blazing Saddles reference for anybody who didn't get it. Children, ask your parents. MJ, ask your wife. <laughs> yeah, that's one I couldn't tell you. I was going to ask you, where's Rock Ridge? 
Rock Ridge is not a city. It's a Rock Ridge, Rock Ridge is where Choo Choo go. Rock Ridge oh. is um, a couple school districts combined. Okay. Uh, last year, it's not a co-op. It, it's not. It, it's not a co-op. Um, the Evleth Gilbert ah. uh, by Wabick was that the other one in the Evleth Gilbert co-op or school district combined with the G- Virginia school district neighboring city into one school district, and they named it Rock Ridge because they're in the Iron Range, so there are rock right. everywhere. Uh, so that's that new school district there. Um, so the reason Burglar brought that one up is that uh, Mrs. Burglar, my mother, is from Eveleth, Minnesota, now part of the Rock Ridge School District, and he is from Superior. So uh, my parents' alma maters are duking it out uh, this week on Tuesday. And bragging rights in the Berg home. Well, you know, one of the things that she automatically wins hockey bragging rights pretty much all the time. One of the things as I look here at the boys' D1, uh, it's going to be interesting because Verona lost their first two games this season. And since then, they've they've been rolling. They uh, won a couple overtime games, and I think they're 4-2 and two on the season. They lost two games early, and they're on a hot, little hot streak. Don't be surprised that that team somehow, someway, their way into that top six. Bill Marshall always seems to put a good squad together. He's a very good coach. He's got a good uh, feeder program there. And I still say you you will be hearing from Verona yet this year. I believe they were seventh. And MJ, I mean. they're actually six and two. And and they're they're gonna get their chance um in the showdown in Titletown, which is a three-day tournament that will come up between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, they play Notre Dame on one of the days. They play... Uh, play Notre Dame, Eau Claire Memorial, and Wausau West. Yeah, so they'll they'll get a chance to... They'll, they'll, they'll have an opportunity to bounce back in, into the top six. And what, what's, what's fun about that is that uh, when they play Eau Claire Memorial on Thursday the 29th, that will be their third game against a big rivers team ranked in the top six because they have their first two games of the season. As MJ said that they lost were two to one losses to Chippewa falls and Hudson. And since then they haven't lost. Well, they're not saying the big rivers again since then. Right. Okay. Notre Dame Academy, number one team. Are they just that above and beyond everybody at this point? Well, I mean, their their smallest margin of victory was three goals. So. I mean, because when you look when you look back at like last year, you know how Hudson wire to wire was the state champion number one all season. It just looks like you know Notre Dame Academies, um, like you said, they they're pretty good this year. I mean, yeah, Wasa West they're very good. Wasa West eight to one, Superior eight to nothing. Stevens Point six to nothing. Nina Hortonville, Menasha eight to four. Madison Edgewood five to nothing. Hudson four to one. I mean, yeah, Hudson's the only one that's really given them a challenge this year. And even that was a three goal win. So, okay, well, 
And Notre that Dame. one is kind of a flip of what we saw last year. Last year, Hudson and Notre Dame played a game where Notre Dame only got 12 shots on goal. Hudson only took 12 shots on Saturday. Yeah, well, the way it is in high school hockey, one year you're very good, and the next year you're, I don't want to say not as good, but kind of a down year. And not in any way saying it's a down year for Hudson because that team will have some say by the end of the season. You know, they're probably going to go deep in the playoffs again, but boy, that sectional they got to go through. That's that one there is a killer. Yeah, there's four top six teams in that section. Okay. Anything else about the top 10 guys or top six? All right. I'll take that as a no. Upcoming games of the week on the girls' side, Bell. That is Arrowhead at Rock County. It's going to be the uh, mental health awareness game. And uh, Dell's going to be covering that one. And tomorrow night, I will be uh, about a mile and a half from my house here. Is, uh, we're going to take a look at the Ice Force out of the uh, Classic Gate Conference. They're coming to town to play Janesville. And uh, we'll uh, get a look at them and have a story and pictures and reactions of that game. As uh, on the boys' side, it's going to be Janesville and the Muskego, the Ice Four, going to get together on the boys' side for the boys' game of the week. And then our final thoughts, guys. Uh, anything's on, anything on your mind as we? You know, I, I got a question for you, MJ. Uh, since it, it just popped into my head when you said that the uh, rink is a mile and a half from your house. And that reminded me that you were not here last week because right. you were at the city council meeting as they were discussing proposals for a new rink in Janesville. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a battle to get it. Um, it took a big step last week. Um, city council um, approving what. Uh, what part they're in. They're not taking bids or anything like that yet, but to look into it farther, to go a little bit farther, um, it's got some traction for it now. It is advancing, though. What's that? It is advancing? Yeah. Yeah. There's a... It's... there. The problem is, is this place probably should have been, should have been built in 2019-2020. But as we know... You know, COVID came through, and now you've got the inflation. It's a, uh, you know, it's good. It's kind of a hard sell because, um, you know, when you take public and private money, you took public money through tax money to uh, possibly build this place. I mean, it's still got a, it's still got a ways to go. But um, like I said, it took a big step last week with the city council. I'd still say probably if it all comes together, 2024, 25, I mean, you're still looking at a couple of years down the road yet. Our rink is old and tired like me. So, guys, uh, yesterday I watched a little bit of hockey on TV on one of the ESPN channels. It was Canada against the USA in junior junior hockey uh, championship game. And this is a penalty that drives me nuts. 
Guy skating in to score. Guy from the other team grabs him over the shoulder and is holding him, you know, pulling him back a little bit as he's going in. He ends up plowing into the goalie. Penalty was called on the guy for holding, but then the guy that hit the goalie also got goalie interference. And I'm like, he had no way to get away from it. And the announcer, you know, former player and stuff goes, well, he didn't make an attempt to get away with it. Well, when you're getting pulled backwards, it's a little difficult to get away. That's something that I actually see in the NHL a lot. Um, I don't want to say it's a strategy at this point, but I believe it has to be in certain defensemen's heads at this point that if I throw that guy into my goalie, they're going to get a penalty for it. Like I, it happens in the NHL at least once a week, which, you know, once a week is not a huge number because given how many games are played, but defensemen throw guys into their goalies and the guy who hits the goalie gets the penalty. Um, it's, it's like cause and effect does not seem to exist. Forwards who say, Ooh, I feel a defenseman holding my arm. I'm going to plow into the goalie. Um, and say, well, the defense made me do it. And they're not going to call it on me because, you know, forwards are sneaky bastards that way. <laughs> know how forwards are. They like to every once in a while run the goalie. And- yes. Yes. There are forwards who embellish the things that happen to them, but there are a lot of defensemen in, in high level hockey now throwing guys into the goalie, whether or not that's their intention, probably not, but it happens. That, that, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like proper defenseman training. You're trained to protect your goalie, not to throw forwards at And him. here's the thing. Here's the thing. They do something that causes the forward to crash into their goalie, and then they pile on the forward to defend the goalie. It's like the whole <laughs> cause and effect math of what's happening is just completely out of whack. Like, I'm going to, like, pull this guy's feet out from under him so he has no choice but to go in the direction he's going he's going to hit the goalie and then i'm going to hit him for hitting my goalie it's just insane it's not as bad as um every now and then you'll see like a guy skate near a goalie and the goalie pirouettes like he got shot out of a cannon but then you see jordan bennington throwing an arm up or something and hitting a Oh, who's the guy from the Penguins? And Jordan Biddington gets the, you know, he's the one who's in the wrong there. And but you know what? The goalies, when they come out, you know, they're kind of fair game. There was really in the trapezoid, not, though. There, there really is no such thing as the goalie being fair game. Um, people say that, you know, once they leave or they're playing the puck, that's not true. You're not allowed to hit the goalie. Um, but Jordan Bennington, I would never advocate this, but hit him. Um, he's got to be, at this point, one of the least popular players in the league. Like anytime there is the smallest scrum of any kind on the ice, Jordan Bennington acts like he wants to fight somebody. He never does it, but he's always willing to act like he's really, he's about to throw down with somebody. He is such a pain in the ass. Keep 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 this in mind. There is one one time when a goalie becomes fair game. If a goalie goes out to play the puck and just you know moves the puck along, he's doing his job. He's not. But if the goalie goes out and like takes the puck and like makes a move, 
like fakes a pack and you know pulls it, does a toe drag and pulls it back in, then he's imitating a forward. Nail the son of a bitch. If he make if he makes a move, if he doesn't just go out and play the puck, if he makes a move, then he is technically a skater. If he make if he makes a move, but that is very rare. Doesn't the happen goalie, often. I the think, goalie actually I grabs the puck. The and the, not, I think somebody told the goalies not to do that. But you know, if there's a wide open net at the other end, the goalie's going to come out and try to play it if he's got a he's got a lane to send that puck down. Well, yeah. I believe. Was Who was the last goalie in the NHL to score a goal? I was going to say, I think, but I, I believe the uh, University of Maine, I believe their goalie just scored a goal the other day. That's a, Would that be the I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I, I, I saw something. It wasn't the NHL, but it was a different league that somebody, a goalie did score a goal. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Yeah. Like yesterday. Yeah. So talking about the NHL, anybody got any update on our favorite uh, Canadian or from Montreal playing for Montreal? Mr. Caulfield? Yeah. If you want to say Canadian without saying Canadian, you have to say Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Lahabs. MJ, you're usually up to date on how, how things are going there. Yeah. Cole got smoked last week in the play. He, I mean, he really got leveled. And, you know, he's a small guy, and he got just clobbered. It was it was a total accident. And he went down, and they, you know, they got him off the ice and stuff, and they went and had him checked out. And, you know, two days later, he's back playing, didn't miss a game. But, I mean, this guy who hit him, I mean, it was a total – it was a total accident, but boy, he took the worst of it. But he didn't miss any games. He's got 27 points in 31 games. I mean, that'll get you some money. I'm telling you, the kid's going to get paid. You'll get Pavelski money. Okay, anything else you guys want to comment about? No, I got to go watch football. Omar, you done? I'm done. Okay. Junior? I'm good. Okay. Well, I won't keep you guys any longer. I could go on all night, but you know what? I think I'm just going to go ahead and shut it down here. You got to go to work tomorrow. I do. Yes, I do. Whether I want to or not. So for the two Bergs, Del Scanlon, I'm Mike Hammett. We'll see you next week on This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.